keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome everybody to Total Effin' Marks. I'm the King of Sad Style. Well, you know what? Let's well, fuck fuck the intro. It's Mike Lawrence's birthday. Happy birthday, Mike Lawrence. Thanks. Hey. Yeah. Oh what are man, you, what are you, it's, what are you it's 37 great to be. or 38? I'm 38 years old today. Celebrating by talking about a thing I should have stopped liking 30 years ago. <laughs> Damn straight, you should have, as we all should have. Let's Man, get to I've the been 10 a fan count. Of this since I looked like Marco Stunt. <laughs> Let's get to the 10 count. Number one, rebook it. Adam Pierce becoming the number one contender. Let's start with Mike. It's his birthday. Um, you get the first piece of cake, Mike. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, so I was I was I was I was looking at like wrestling news. Even Vince Russo has commented on the logical fallacy of this uh, story. So you done fucked up, uh, <laughs> WWE is what I'm saying. Because um, he says, "Who is this guy? You've never introduced him." You know, like it feels like he's a stooge. That's like working with them, but he's not, but he's also not interesting and he's someone we don't know. And I watched on Friday when Paul Heyman was like, be the scrap daddy, Adam Pierce. I know you can beat. And I've never he heard that. Scrap daddy? I think he said scrap daddy. I guess that's, that's his Yeah, nickname. that's his Twitter handle. That sounds like a new a subset on Grinder. Yeah, it sounds like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. <laughs> it, it just sounds like a Transformer that's a robot that just turns into a shittier robot. <laughs> um, so the way I would rebook this is I, I looked up the alumni, uh, who, who works there now, who's backstage, who's a producer that you could use in this role, because I think the story is good. It is just the casting. Um, I know, Robert, you were talking about this. Uh, we were talking about this together. I don't want you to think I'm taking your take. It's just, it really is bad casting. Um, but I would go with Shane Helms. I think Shane Helms is a guy that's been there a long time. The fans love, you know, he was a cruiserweight champ, a tag champ, but never got that big title so that there's some credibility. And I, I think people love the guy. Superheroes are even more popular now. If you wanted to do some kind of hurricane thing, I just think that, yeah, uh, that, that that's how I would rebook it. I would put Shane Helms in that authority role. He's much more entertaining um, because so is Cantor uh, compared to Adam Pierce. And well, uh, I don't know if Adam's that bad, but I mean, well, Adam used some to wrestle, who right? Say their lives have been better once Cantor enters, and I don't know if anyone <laughs> said that about Adam Pierce. Yeah, that's that's everyone who wanted to write a one man show. That's who says that. Um, <laughs> I, all right, I look. I'm gonna piss some people off because I'm just gonna say I was gonna wait till the end. I would leave it as is. I kind of like this angle. 
as is. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I kind of like Adam Pierce being used. Look, look, we shit on uh, on wrestling all the time. I, I think this kind of works for me. Uh, you know, like, do, do I see what Mike says? Would it be better if it was Shane Helms? Perhaps, but I don't mind it, Scott. Tell me why I'm wrong. Here's, here's why you're wrong and why it, it doesn't make sense, because we've been trained to hate authority figures. We're not supposed to feel bad for them. Uh, we're not supposed to root for them. If they fucking get kicked in the nuts, it's supposed to be hilarious. We hope they piss their pants. Like that's what authority figures are. Roman Reigns should not be feuding with an authority figure because he needs to be the most hated man in the company. That should be their goal. Going into WrestleMania, he needs to be a guy who people want to see get beat by whoever their hero is going to be at the time. Um, so you can't have him fight an authority figure right now. You need to make him a bigger heel. So this is how you make him a bigger heel. Otis wins the battle Royal, right? Um, you mean the Royal Rumble or oh, this battle Royal. No, no, no. The battle Royal from last oh, week. Oh, the gauntlet. Yeah, the gauntlet. Match. The gauntlet, the gauntlet. Yeah, the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, it, Otis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, you know how like every Roman match since he's been a heel has been, it, it's less wrestling and more like a scene from a play. <laughs> it's, a like a it's a little bit like a, like a scene from the outsiders. Yeah. Yeah. He's always like holding someone in his arms screaming. I think that's how the last <laughs> I mean, few most, most of his matches are like the, the first part of a final fight <laughs> in an action movie before the yeah. hero wins. Yeah, exactly. He's like exactly. show enough in the last dragon. Yep. So, so this one, what it is, is, you know, he, the whole build to this match is that Roman uh, and his family will be having a uh, Samoan pig roast. And he's basically just going to brutalize Otis in front of the, the WWE universe, put an apple in his mouth, right? Really like pull at your heartstrings, make you feel awful, right? Jay is helping him. And, 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 uh, and he go, you know, he goes, Jay, uh, do you believe in what we're doing? You know, like, do you really believe in this, that this man is a pig? And Jay goes, yes, of course. And he goes, do you believe in where I'm going to take this family and how I'm going to make this family better? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, do you think I need to trim the fat from this family? And Jay goes, yeah. And he goes, perfect. And then they drag out Rikishi. And then they just beat up Rikishi and Otis for being fat. (laughs) I, thought, I was gonna say uh, I, a, a Samoan pig roast is just what happens when Joe takes his shirt off in front of Vince. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna go with like literally Otis like like tied up with an apple in his mouth spinning around a fire maybe like <laughs> like the fiends yeah. fire you know. I like the, the most devious part of that you make Otis eat fruit. Like that would be the part that people are. This is heinous. You got nutrients. All right. Well, let's check in with our uh, actual former WWE creative, Robert Carpolis. How would you rebook this? First off, did you are you are you with Scott and Mike? Did this suck, or uh, am I am I going? I'm taking taking it further than it sucks. I think this is one of the single dumbest things that WWE has done in a very long time. Oh, come on! I'm gonna. I'm going to no, no. quantify it. I'm going to use Lashley the lawyer. sisters. Come on. There's so Lashley sisters were great. Sammy, that, that was great heat for Sammy Zayn. I liked it. And the sisters, it's not like the sisters showed up and won the fucking tag titles. Uh, it's not like well, they were the original hurt business. That's true. Uh, what, what? No, the, the reason is the story is, is an excellent story. And to Mike's point, it's the wrong casting. And Adam Pierce is so far beyond the wrong casting because he has zero 
credibility with the WWE audience. He means nothing. And to those people who do know who Adam Pierce is and know his history, he's a shitty wrestler that no one wants to see wrestle. He ruined the industry. And he's the guy who, when Gabe Sapolsky got pushed out of Ring of Honor, Adam Pierce became the booker and torpedoed and basically ruined Ring of Honor and they never recovered. So even if you're a super smart insidery fan, you're not an Adam Pierce fan. If you've ever seen him wrestle, there's a reason he never got signed by any company. And you look at the list of agents in, in a dream scenario for me, this would have been Lance Storm if Lance Storm was still working there. Oh, wow. It, okay. Yeah. It's a killer wrestler. It's a guy who's a trainer. And that's your, that's the thing. It's like, to, to Scott's point, we're not supposed to like authority figures right now. There are no authority figures. Pierce is just a mouthpiece. I, if, if I'm using who they have currently Helms, is kind of a dick. I, I, I like him. He's a nice guy, but he can come across as a dick. It should be Jamie Noble if you're using the guys that are currently there as a guy who can cut that fiery promo of, if you gave me a shot, I'm going to make you regret this. And that's what the audience wants to get behind. The Roman Reigns character is going to be effective, and I, I say this all the time, is going to be effective because whoever he's going against is someone that the internet and the audience wants to embrace and love. That's why Scott's instinct was put Otis in there. That's why they're going to build up Daniel Bryan. That's why they're going to build up Big E. You need people that be, that Roman is going against that the crowd's not going to be like, oh, Roman's a cool heel. I'm going to cheer him. It's like, no, fuck this guy. I want to see whoever he's against get their opportunity. Nobody gives a shit about Adam Pierce. There's no footage that the WWE owns in their library of Adam Pierce wrestling to be like, here's who this guy is. He's just a guy in the back. When you have Jamie Noble, you have Finley. It's a shame that Regal can't wrestle. Regal would be perfect. If uh, Tyson Kidd could actually wrestle, Kidd would be great. They I have a pick. Worst agent. A... All right, what's your pick, Mike? What about Devon Dudley? He, I saw that he works there. He's a guy who never got a singles push. That Just you know, that I... person that, that has cachet with the fans, that is willing to go that extra mile, that people genuinely like. I just, I just think somebody... I mean, Storm is like a fantastic choice. It's just, you know, when you're talking, like, you know, Scott said the thing about how they train you to hate authority figures. If there's one thing they especially uh, train you to hate, as you're kind of implying, Robert, is that nobody matters outside of the WWE. This is what we've been trained to believe our entire lives as fans. Like, they, they told us guys who were in WCW their whole career sucked. So when you've got Scrap Daddy... And we're supposed to care about him. It's like you can't you can't program people to think a certain way and then just all of a sudden get them to give up those thoughts on the least charismatic well, guy. How, how does this match end though? Okay, so like the Royal Rumble is what in a week? What the hell happens? It's just a reason for Kevin Owens to yeah, someone. Yeah, someone has to come out, in there. But to, then he still's got to lose. I don't get it. I just you're gonna beat the shit out of Adam Pierce, probably to the point where the referee is gonna have to like call it, and someone's gonna go in there. Whether it's Owens making his return or it's Brian going in there, somebody. They just they haven't established. There was one backstage pre-tape where Kevin Owens like, hey Pierce, we know each other. Okay, cool. It's the same way like Sheamus and Drew McIntyre are friends. That that's really your only out. Well, uh, obviously, I'm the only one who doesn't think this is complete <laughs> dog shit. But no, no, I'm not saying it's complete dog shit. I mean, he looks cool without a shirt on, which is always like fun for fans to go. Oh, I thought he was an, a jabroni, 
right? He's well, like what's jacked. freaking me out is I'm going back. I'm watching The Sopranos right now, and he looks exactly like the priest. He does on look the Sopranos, like the priest which totally Sopranos. freaking me out. <laughs> he does look like the priest. That priest worked heel though. He was a he was a f- for sure fire heel on that show. He did work heel, and then he was a heel in Suits, where he was bald, and he looks even more like Adam Pierce. Like the uh, USA Robert Watch Suits, here. everybody! Robert Watch Suits. <laughs> <laughs> We get a psych that, reference. Was it like you were, do, do I win a prize? <laughs> yeah. Come on, Robert. I just I imagine say? you get home and you have like all the royal pains and suits, DVD collections around all the USA. Well, burn, all the USA network shows. It's next to my Pacific Blue VHS tapes. Uh, the episodes of G versus E. That's, that's a, a that's deep. A deep when cut. I say burn, <laughs> you say notice. Notice. <laughs> all right. Number two, mark out moment of the week. I'm sure that I'm. I have a tie, so I'm just probably going to pick the one that Scott doesn't pick. So, Scott, what's your mark-out moment of the week? Dude, for me, it's very simple. If we're doing mark-out moments, I am the ultimate mark for Kenny Omega. And uh, that brawl at the end of the match where Moxley was there and then the Bucks came out, I loved while there was all this pandemonium, I loved Kenny and Don leaving. I don't know why. It just got me hyped for some reason. Uh, so that for some reason that was like my favorite moment. I just got excited. I thought of all the match possibilities. Um, when that happened, it could be what Lucha Brothers versus the Bucks, the Good Brothers versus the Bucks, um, Pac and the Lucha Brothers versus Kenny and the Good Brothers. Uh, and then what? Probably what we're gonna get is Kenny and the Good Brothers versus Moxley and the Bucks eventually, maybe. Is that gonna happen? Oh, it's like a, there's just fun, there's just like so many fun options that I mean, that's like a main that's a main event of a pay per view exactly sure. that that the the mark in me um, starts fantasizing and all of a sudden you know five hours have passed and that's all I've been thinking about is fantasy booking just because of a moment I watched on television so that's my mark out moment of the week when all that shit happened. Uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say that it was during that segment, but. For me, the mark out moment of the week was when uh, Don Callis switched it up and introduced the Good Brothers instead of the Young Bucks. I just thought that was really fun, great, really earned heel heat. And a tie, just because I'm a sucker for table spots, Brian Cage throwing Darby Allen outside of the ring through a fucking (laughs) table. That That was the one spot that I was like, okay, that was cool enough for it to hurt you know because a lot of darby spots i'm like man you don't need to do that i don't need to see but this one i was like all right uh, i'm actually glad he almost killed himself for that mike what's your mark out moment of the week yeah i'm gonna go with um it's very rare that like comedy in wrestling makes me laugh so when it does i have to I have to give it its due and it was a train wreck segment the the waiting room with Britt baker and Jade oh Cargill, um, but I tell you, man, when when uh, Britt had the joke on Cody, she had some good lines. But the one Britt's that popped great. me, the one that popped me, and I, you know, I'm a big action figure fan. But when she said, um, "You're you're gonna <laughs> congratulations on the baby," I'm sure it'll get an action figure long before I do. Like I, I legit laughed out loud, and yep. I think maybe there's like five things in wrestling that have done that in the last like year. So, I, I mean, I that. love that line, but that segment, yikes! Oh, I, I, I do not disagree of the 
of the four pull apart brawls on last night's show because the agents don't want to talk to each other. It was the worst one, but that, that joke was awesome. Robert. I've got two, um, one coming from dynamite, uh, because I'm, I'm obviously a mark from my illegitimate son, MJF during the, uh, new year's, uh, thing that their their resolutions at one point like Santana Ortiz was talking about how he wants to perfect recipes and the crowd starts booing him and Max just goes you're booing food <laughs> which I know popped him because I could see the look in his face because I know when he actually cracks himself up I lost it my actual mark out moment of the weekend if you haven't seen it those of you listening pause this and go watch it now the Paul Heyman Apollo Crews segment from Talking Smack was a masterclass in how to make something that doesn't matter matter. It was on SmackDown, Apollo Crews and Big E had a meaningless match for the U.S. title. They did where they both got pinned, both their shoulders were on the mat, and then they immediately restart the match. Big E beats them. And Paul Heyman cuts a promo within the world of kayfabe. It's not being smart. It's basically, you know what? You wrestled the champion. You pinned his shoulders to the mat which means you're, you're entitled to a rematch. He is no longer the undisputed United States champion. That's where that word comes from. So you have the chance. You should have waited. You should have picked your time. You should have trained, and you should have gotten the rematch that you deserve. Instead, he came into your house. He took your food. He had sex with your wife, and you let him do this. He says that? Yeah, he it says is, that? It's they bleep out that you had sex with your wife part to make it even more like when they when they replay it but it's such a great like if this was on tv now i give a shit about seeing apollo cruz and biggie did apollo cruz and fact, well, that's how you make it not matter though is you put it on those did, did apollo cruz stop fucking smiling for once oh he yeah he no he he looked like he was actually listening and paying attention to it and it's like maybe you know i'm going out of limb here i think this paul Heyman kid is a, yeah, he's a pretty decent promo number three spooky oh wait zach what was your uh mark out moment of the week I actually also legitimately had when MJF says you're booing food that made me laugh just as hard as it probably made Mike laugh with uh, the action figure bit. Also his runner up for me, his resolution of no more fat people (laughs) considering who was in the ring (laughs) was pretty great. I I also, we, we had to have an honorable mention because me, me and Dan really marked out this weekend over, uh, I found out. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, that's my mark out moment of the week. I'm changing my my answer. Mike, you can what the cat out of the bag. Okay, so so we're all Dave Meltzer fans here, you know, five star journalist. I listened to the Observer right before uh, I recorded today. Yep. And uh, so we found out as Scott, Scott, Robert, Zach, do you guys know what his his brother does for a living? No, he is a corporate comedian slash juggler that runs <laughs> motivational events. With his you juggler. can see his videos on YouTube. You can see his videos. <laughs> Does he look like Dave? He looks like an old guy, but Dave looks weirder. Dave is the you, you look at both of them and Dave's like, all right. He's into some kind of sports. I don't know if it's real or not, but he's the athletic one. <laughs> but he's what the juggler. Just, we got we got to book him on the show. We oh, got to get him on the sure. show. He's the fifth host. And yeah, nothing works better for an audio format like a juggler. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, fucking Charlie McCarthy and Edward Burke are going to have the biggest show 
in the 40s on radio and it was a ventriloquist in his dummy. <laughs> I did not know that. Well, which is Meltzer and Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one's the ventriloquist? <laughs> it's so I'm funny. Sure like, dude, Alvarez and Meltzer together, like, you can just sometimes feel the seething contempt from Alvarez when he's talking because Meltzer doesn't get anything. He just doesn't get any jokes. And Alvarez is like, all right, let's just go to the next one. Well, because also Dave will be like, well, you know, I found this out uh, Wednesday at six. He's like, well, wait, 555. It was 554, 555. <laughs> Hold on. Let me check my notes. OK, so Wednesday. <laughs> 550 okay so the ratings came in okay so then i had to sit around and okay yeah about 555 like it's just and melcher's like anyway <laughs> so, I mean, so we're all in agreement so... melcher's the zodiac killer right like that's it we can the, last, the last year if anyone here has been listening to the observer there has been a running thread where melcher is unable to shut his phone off or get his dog to stop barking so they have to like cut all the time and he still hasn't figured it out yet I thought he would have an emotional support dog. I'm very surprised. I think I think he believes that you can only hit the cough button if you're coughing. And that it's dishonest to use it for anything else. <laughs> All right, number three, it's Spooky Wrestler Party. Since Supernatural Wrestling is, whether it's Abaddon or The Fiend, is, is the new trend, uh, I asked everybody on the show to come up with a spooky wrestler to go up against... Bray Wyatt, The Fiend. Let's start out with you, Robert. All right. Well, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, is a very scary character. He's very spooky. So you need to play on something that's going to make even The Fiend fearful. And that's why he's going to face death, Abedes. He's coming to get you <laughs> and your foot. The only way that he's going to be able to beat him is to do cardio, which means The Fiend doesn't stand a chance. Last his last promo was at Kamala's funeral saying who's next. Yeah. He goes into the match as a rotunda, but he leaves it as a Von Eric. <laughs> Mike? His, his finishing move is the insulin shot. Mike. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with um uh, Fire Marshal Bull. So what we do is we get we get Bull Buchanan and we bring him back because I'm sure he'd like to, the money. And uh, we make him a fire marshal. And anytime someone is about to do a, a, a fireball that hasn't been convincing since 84 in Memphis or set somebody on fire, he takes out a fire extinguisher and he, and he sprays you down. And, and then it always goes to commercial. I like that. They bury, uh, they bury Bull Buchanan on Southern Wrestle. <laughs> really? Apparently he was a dummy. Scott. That makes sense. Okay. Well, wrote this one out. Maybe, maybe not a little high. Okay. Here we go. In order to beat the fiend, you need to ask yourself <laughs> who is the fiend? A killer clown with demonic powers? There's no way. God's just trying to get a job. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a grown man who hosts a child's TV show? Of course not. The Fiend is Bray Wyatt, a tortured child whose family was tormented and harassed by the IRS. <laughs> a kid who couldn't handle what he was dealt, so he hid. He hid within a monster, that monster being the Fiend, right? And when the monster's a child, who does he torment? Randy Orton? No. 
Braun Strowman, no. The fe- uh, uh, John Cena, no. He torments his little brother, Bo Dallas. And how does Bo Dallas survive that torment as a kid? He has to create something to counteract the fiend, right? If the fiend is lost, Bo Dallas is the found. And he, <laughs> he's called the found, and then, you know he does magic too. <laughs> I fucking Bo love Dallas. it, man. Bo Dallas, dude, he's still signed, right? It's it's criminal. Yeah, why not? That, like you're not even gonna make him a puppet. It's yeah. crazy that they don't use this guy. <laughs> Zach, did you have anything for this? All right, Janae. Yeah, I was gonna Here's- go. Um, it's a guy comes out with a stew heart mask, and then he takes it off, and it's Teddy Hart. And uh, and then you just like have to go through creative with him for like two hours. No, it's just basically Robert's yeah, old just job. The fiend. I was gonna say that I've I've lived that gimmick before. <laughs> uh, Bray Wyatt would be much better off with any of these other ones, including facing Janetti. Speaking of seamless transitions, let's stay on Robert. It's time for creative has nothing for you, Robert. What segment are you gonna uh, talk about and get PTSD from this week? So I was watching Monday Night Raw this week because I don't like myself. And at one point, there was the moment where uh, Ric Flair was on with Lacey. And I flashed back to getting to work with the legendary nature boy, Ric Flair. And the year is 2005, the city, Oklahoma City, me, the only Jew in town. And it is unforgiven. Uh, Ric Flair defeats Carlito for the Intercontinental title. And this is one of the first pre-tapes I ever had a chance to work on. I was shadowing the the great Bruce Pritchard. Um, we're, we're kissing up so we don't get on Conrad's bad side. Um, quickly, but, uh, I, I wasn't sure if Unforgiven was the name of the pay-per-view or their opinion about you being Jewish. <laughs> so thankfully, I wasn't the only one. Um, there, there, were, there were two and a half of us on the writing team. So we, I, was, I was well protected. Um, it was, this is post Goldberg. So they were still skating. You know, we, we were, we're tough guys. So <laughs> the idea was that Ric Flair was going to win the intercontinental title and we were going to make a big deal of this. And he's, you know, the kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, whatever. This is 16 years ago. And it's still like, can he really still get girls? And so we, we ordered women from a, uh, a local gentleman's establishment to, to come there and Flair saw them. They didn't meet his standards. Uh, thankfully his wife and two of her friends were there. So he's like, we're just going to use them instead. We had them plants in the crowd. We had to send the other women home, which was one of my jobs for the day. Cause what the fuck? Um, and the gag <laughs> yeah, was going to be these strippers. Like, look to be the man, you got to beat the man. And you did not beat the man today. <laughs> Tell your kid. I said, hi. I mean, coming, uh, coming up with ideas and having the phone number for an Oklahoma strip club. Like, Dan, how did you not work at the WWE? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, let me tell you something. There's still time. <laughs> yes. There's still time. First of all, this is the only reason Jim Ross still had a job in the company. Because if anybody knows where you're going to find a, go- a good titty bar in general Oklahoma area, uh, <laughs> rest- restaurant quality. Uh, so we had I to just the- imagine the strippers have lopsided boobs like his face. <laughs> It's just one boob with steer horns coming out of it. Uh, Conrad wanted me, he told me a shoot story about Jim Ross that he wanted me to use during the roast, but I just couldn't come up with a joke for it. I guess he likes, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that. I don't think you are. Uh, Can I? What do you think? No? Let's save it for off-air, and then we'll put it on the Patreon this (laughs) Sunday. (laughs) All right, yeah. Well, speaking of the Patreon, we're going to be doing Royal Rumble 
2001. That's the one where Stone Cold, I think he wins his third Rumble, and you get Triple H versus Kurt Angle. I started watching it. I'm going to echo Mike Warren's Devon Dudley comment because uh, the opening match, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, just great. And I don't even remember it. That's how much chemistry those guys had. It's like every match that they had was just throwaway fantastic. Okay, so uh, anyway, back to the Oklahoma strip club. Sorry, so Flair wins the title. He grabs the, the three women from the crowd. He walks to the back, and there was a limo, and the idea was he was going to get into the limo. The girls are going to go in. Then he's going to pull out Viagra from his trunks, and he's going to take the Viagra because, remember, he's old 16 years ago uh, to, to you know fuck these three women to celebrate winning the title. Apparently, whoever the production guy was got us shoot Viagra. Uh, they actually got a prescription for Viagra. Uh, and I had, I forgot this story part of it until Pritchard told it on his show. And I was like, I remember this because Rick's like, you have to give me the Viagra. And we're like, no, because you have a heart condition, you might die. And he's like, I'm not doing this the bit unless you give it to me. So then the debate was, do we kill Ric Flair to get this done? Or do we rewrite the show? We gave him the shoot Viagra. And then the gag was going to be, we cut back to him later. He opens the door. Smoke comes out, not because they're smoking weed, but because, you know, the way he fucks, there's smoke. And then he goes back in to go take more Viagra. The problem was somebody unplugged the smoke machine that we had for the limo. And it takes like three hours for it to warm back up. So we all had to go in there with cigarettes to start <laughs> puffing it. And I've never smoked a cigarette in my life until this point. <laughs> is the first cigarette I ever had and we're in there smoking fucking like Marlboros to get smoke so the limo door opens with smoke and then the punchline at the end of the night was we get back in this limo with Vince who hates cigarette smoke and thinks that we did this to him intentionally and he loses his fucking mind what does he say uh, what does he say he starts he just starts screaming he's like what the fuck did you do to my limo this is fucking ridiculous and there was a cigarette butt in there and it reeked and he it was, uh, yeah, so uh, Ric Flair is So he was shoot pissed, or was he like, oh, this is funny? I think he thought it was a rib, and I think by playing it off that this is them fucking with him, he res- like he respects that more than if this was just an accident. Like, hey, for production reasons, but it was like, no, you guys are just, you know, trying to, trying to fuck with me. But yeah, he genuinely hates cigarette smoke, so we all reeked of cigarette smoke, and his limo smelled of cigarette smoke. Did you hear uh, so the story back- this week that Trump in a shoot, uh, called up the WWE after Vince McMahon's limo blew up and asked if he was okay. Oh, I fully heard. I heard, oh, that, I heard that when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> I, I someone told me that. Yeah, he he genuinely thought that uh, something happened to Vince when the limo blew up because oh, he, I guess no one smartened him up. But this is the same guy when they announced that he was in charge of Raw. They had to announce the next day that it was a storyline and not real because he was worried it was going to affect the WWE stock prices. oh my god all right number five guys every week we check in with new japan corner and mr scott chaplin well ladies and gentlemen it's time for scott chaplin's tna corner (laughs) it's like you know just less and less people able to relate. <laughs> What's great is I don't think they're still called TNA anymore. No, they're not. Impact, even- sorry, Impact Corner. Impact. Uh, don't worry, I I forgot to. Um, yeah. So you know, I, I to describe uh, my enthusiasm for for this pay per view coming up because it really is a dream match. I mean, right? It was a month ago to have uh, Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns facing Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Um, but, uh, 
they've done a really terrible job of it. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, I don't know if it's because of the agreement, since they are actually two separate companies and one of them is just unwilling to pull the trigger on like a full commitment. And by that, I mean, AW, the way that they mention, you know, Kenny Omega will be wrestling at hard to kill, but they don't say what that is. They don't say when it is. <laughs> they don't say how you could get it. Uh, it's just this vague thing that you're supposed to be interested in. Uh, and then they go, these guys are going to fight the top guys in impact. And uh, tonight they will be fighting a guy you've never heard of and the varsity <laughs> blondes, which you've never heard of. Uh, and then they I have like the varsity a- blondes though. Oh no, I dig. I, yeah, I like it too. Uh, but you know, they have a, a super long match uh, for free. Meanwhile, you have to pay like 40 bucks to get this pay-per-view. Um, all the, the, the other big match that they're promoting is they are finally getting a TNA knockout, well, Impact Knockout uh, Women's Tag Team Championships. Uh, that's the other like big pull. Yeah, that might actually close card? out the show, apparently. Oh, my God. What is this card? Like, what's the card talking okay, about? Okay, yeah. So uh, for, for the uh, Impact Knockout Tag Team Champions, uh, it's Havoc and Neva versus Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles. Uh, we got the six-man tag that I said already with, uh, with the, the new elite. Uh, you have Manic versus Chris Bay versus uh, Rohit Raju for the X Division Championship. And, zoom tight. And Manic is um, is uh, TJ Perkins, right? Perkins. Yeah, yeah. Which I like TJ Perkins. It's just I've always heard bad things about him. Always. What, because of his politics or whatever? I don't know what it is. It's just people seem to hate him. I've always liked him in the ring, though. Uh, Robert, you know anything about that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is Shamrock fighting? Uh, no, Shamrock is not on the show. Um, but uh, I'm Brian... really looking at this card. This looks like when you got like the old Nintendo knockoff wrestling game. <laughs> like I've never heard of 90% of these people. Oh, no. And dude, yeah. If, like, I could deface the Wikipedia page and no one would know the difference. Yeah. You got the Karate Man versus Ethan Page, which I believe they're the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> is this an angle? I guess All so. Right. Uh, I, I'm going to cut this segment short. Number six. Rosemary <laughs> and Crazy Steve versus Tennille Dashwood. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd miss about hearing about Toro Yanu before. Come on, it's everybody. Like, you just got 600 bucks. You got enough money to spend it on hard, <laughs> hard to kill. kill. <laughs> All right. Hard to six. defend when your wife sees it on the credit card. Look, the, the Wikipedia description is actually the, the, the most hyped description I've gotten of it so far. Uh, and it says, um, it says, hard to kill. Ready? The storylines going into hard to kill from Wikipedia. The event will feature professional wrestling matches that involve different wrestlers from pre-existing scripted feuds and storylines. <laughs> Thank you. It's going to be a big one. Can't wait. Yeah. There's a barbed wire match like Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan. Yeah, yeah. Guys, they don't need, they don't deserve this. No, and, and I mean, I, I, I think I sent it, I sent it to Dan and Mike, definitely. Uh, the final uh, episode of, of Impact, the go-home show before this, they had like a big brawl at the end of the show. Oh, it was where, awful, dude. Yeah, where Omega and the Good Brothers finally fought uh, Saban, Shelley, and um, what's his face? Uh, Rich Swan. And, uh, dude, and I hate saying this again, I'm the biggest mark for Omega, but him and Saban just like 
fake softly punched each other's ribs for three minutes. You guys saw it, right? It's, it's rough, really bad. It looks like a joke. Like it looks like if we were like, Hey, let's film each other, beating each other up. It would look like that. And then we'd go, Oh no, let's reshoot it. Cause it looks fake. It's very like, like Jim Cornette would see this and flip out. This is like when uh, the dark order jumped everybody uh, last year in AEW, and oh, that guy yeah. was missing all the punches. It's rough. You think Kenny Omega is going to risk getting injured for a spot on impact? Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Well, I, I'm sure he'll kill himself Saturday, though. The, I, I the, do believe that. The thing that I love is just the, the name of the pay-per-view. It's like, what do we have going for us? Well, everyone thought we'd be gone by now. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, hard to kill right. is like, you know, Betty White turned 99 yesterday. That's hard to kill. This is just, I don't know why it's still here. So hard to Jeez. kill this Saturday night. Please don't watch it. Number six. No, watch it. Rank WWE's PR disasters. All right. I, I picked what I think are my top five disasters. I want to see where you guys have, have it. And I'm talking about Owen Hart, uh, Chris Benoit, Saudi Arabia. I kind of I kind of lumped that in a one. Uh, the WWE COVID response and Lyndon McMahon possibly funding a coup. She, uh, she was one of the, she, you know, she, CNBC published a report uh, detailing that one of the dark money groups was uh, March was uh, women for America first. And that was the super PAC organized by Linda McMahon. So this is what I have for my order. Uh, I have number one, Owen, number two, Saudi Arabia, Number three, Linda, just because we don't know. As far as a PR disaster, I actually would have it higher on my list as far as fuck-ups, but as far as a PR disaster, there's been so much that's happened from this that we don't really know yet, so I put that right in the middle. Number four, Chris Benoit, and number five, the steroid trial. Wait, and that being, and five being the worst, or one being? No, 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 five being the worst is number one, so Owen would be number one. How is Benoit one of the least? uh... Here's my reasoning behind that. Benoit is only it isn't as linked to the WWE like WWE didn't kill like literally kill Benoit's kids and his wife like they literally dropped fucking you know Owen Hart died on one of their shows so as far as like the culpability is concerned you have to say the WWE is there as far as what's worse obviously the Benoit you know one's a tragic accident one's a horrendous crime the Benoit you know crime is the worst but as far as it reflecting on WWE, I would say Owen was worse. What, what would you say, Scott? How would you rank these? Okay, so so for me, it would be Owen is always the worst, right? It happened in the ring. It's just insane. It's completely on them on that show. So Owen will always be worse, uh, the worst. But then I have Benoit as the second biggest nightmare ever, I think. I think it's bigger than the steroid scandal because it also became another steroid scandal on top of this guy's a murderer on top of what do these guys deal with, you know, psychologically and then the concussion thing. And now people are still harping on that. And it's, I mean, the Crispin Watt thing, it's still like a running jab at, at wrestling and how, how crazy these people are and how they're hopped up on steroids and how their brains are like 98 year olds. Uh, it, it might be worse than the Owen Hart one. Uh, and then tied for nobody gives a shit is Saudi Arabia, Linda McMahon, and the old steroid case. I guess the old steroid case would be third, but people definitely don't care about the Linda McMahon thing. Um, I mean, some people don't even care 
about Donald Trump being involved in it. You know what I mean? So it's well, like I was gonna, nobody I was gives gonna a shit about make Linda it broader, McMahon. like like Wendy McMahon's entire pol- like political run or Senate campaigns. Yeah. But and Saudi Arabia, it's like a, a, aside from like BuzzFeed, who's mentioning it that bats an eye? Like nobody cares. Nobody cares. Well, it was a pretty big deal after they, you know, murdered that journalist. I remember WWE. I mean, they got shit from John Oliver. They they were getting shit from a lot of places. Um, Robert, uh, what would, how would you rank it? So number one, uh, for me was the steroid trial. I think that was by far the single most damaging thing that ever happened to the WWE. I mean, Vince McMahon was going to go to prison. Hulk Hogan was testifying against him. They, the, every wrestler shrank. Uh, this became every evil that had ever occurred in the wrestling industry was put on Vince's shoulders. He had the neck brace. This is where he really looked like a total scumbag. And they really never fully recovered from it because this was brought up when they, when they released their IPO that, you know, these guys were, were pushing drugs. The only reason why Vince didn't go to prison was because the, uh, the people that were bringing the charges against him were fucking idiots. And uh, this was up there with OJ in terms of botching how to do a trial. Number two is Saudi Arabia, because Saudi Arabia, first they went over there after that whole thing happened with the journalists being killed, and the Trump administration had to get involved in it. And it triggered John Oliver doing a whole piece about them. It got them terrible press across the board. And then there was the whole part about how the plane almost didn't take off because they claim, hey, you owe us money. And they're like, okay, you're not allowed to leave. And then we had that great Raw where it was just a bunch of NXT guys. You're like, oh, I hope these wrestlers make it out alive. Uh, Three was Benoit because it brought the whole uh, concussion issue and also the fact that they did the tribute show to Benoit at a point in time when allegedly some people in the company knew that what happened with Benoit was not the, I think it was a gas leak that they originally claimed, but they still went forward with the tribute show. Uh, Fourth is Linda. It, it turned people off to the WWE in terms of being super political. Uh, Fifth was the COVID outbreak because, you know, in the beginning it was really bad and then they were winning awards for how great the Thunderdome is and how clean they are. And Drew gets COVID and he cuts a great promo. It's like, hey, you should wear a mask. And then the least PR disaster, unfortunately, was Owen because ultimately it was the stunt company that they hired that botched this. And for them, and they basically came out and said, look, this was a planned stunt. We hired a company to do this. We didn't do this ourselves. We did what you're theoretically supposed to do. It's unfortunate that this happened. This has happened before in wrestling, this type of stunt. Shawn Michaels did the zip line, and it happened after. WCW and WWE and all these mascots at all these sporting events repel from the ceiling. So in their mind, they weren't asking Owen to do something more dangerous than they would. It should have been a bigger PR disaster, but for, for them, ultimately it wasn't. You think also because they were making people so much money at the time that they kind of looked past it. I mean, they were making just like South Park money at that time. You know, it was yeah. insane. They, but, they they didn't want to derail the train. Yeah, Mike, uh, how would you rank these? Um, well, well, first off, I want to say uh, this subject. I think I think right now we're doing the podcasts that are. Uh, partners think that we're always doing no matter what <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i you know there's a lot of good points i went i went benoit first and the reason being when you hear from fans like the point of no return 
you know, the way that they handled it. Yeah. Like, like Robert said with the concussions, I don't, I don't think that like other sports had a case like this bad with the, the, the wife and the kid and, and because we're just talking about PR here, right? The amount of wrestlers that were on CNN and, you know, other news outlets not making themselves look good uh, did not help. I, I think that uh, the fact that, it, yeah, in terms of PR, like, they're still dealing with this. You know, if you uh, were on, um, if you tried to upload Benoit on one of the WWE 2K games, they would per, uh, suspend your account. Like, so that's how taboo and uncomfortable and egads that subject is, in, in my mind. Two is steroids, yeah, because the amount that they had to change everything. And and when you're watching as the trial is happening, like, you know, Vince is out. They start making fun of Vince when he comes back and he's, like, legit pissed about it. Um, there's a moment, uh, King of the Ring 93, when you see Hogan against Yoko and Hogan is the skinniest he's ever been. And one of the announcers, I forgot who rationalized it by saying he decided to trim down to a Panther like physique, the, to outmaneuver the larger Yokozuna. <laughs> so to me, sometimes like my picks are based on how much they had to stretch. Um, then I went, I went to Saudi Arabia because of the fact that, uh, yeah, like a lot of the stuff, uh, like, I mean, Robert said it best with the, the, the John Oliver, some of the outside stuff. I, I think that we haven't seen the end of that because of, you know, because of COVID, there's a, a pause. But, yeah, the way they handled the talent, it, it just made them just look like a bad company to people that don't even know about wrestling. It was just a bad business move, I think. And other companies like UFC, I think, got out right so the fact that they stayed when others uh, left makes them look bad covid response okay <sighs> shitty hot take here i'll say it i think in some ways they've done better than aew um yeah. you know the, we just found out about jericho yesterday which is not but we don't all. but i will say in jericho's defense there was a period where he could have had those 10 days uh, as far as quarantining himself like it the way that they were filming in september uh, the dates, it, it wind up that he could have been responsible. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, like to, to, to give the, you know, devil's advocate here. Yeah. Yeah. But even so, uh, just to just to piggyback on that, because it's not anywhere else, but I do want to bring this up. The WWE would never tolerate one of their talent who has a podcast to allow somebody to be on there who's claiming that all the COVID stuff is a hoax, like Jericho did. He had yeah. the conspiracy theory guy who was talking about you don't need to wear masks and this is not all, you know, all this is kind of a hoax. WWE would never allow one of their guys to have a platform. To have like free that. speech. You guys are absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There should. And his whole thing about like, well, now, now I have the antibodies, and dude, the way that he talked about all of it, of like, and then I, I, I just had, you know, I, it just randomly, I took a test. You mean randomly? Because aren't they doing them all the time? <laughs> So yeah. So, wait, yeah. Yeah, but I think the thing with WWE was it was when it when it all first started happening, it was there are people who are afraid to be there and they're being forced to be there. Yeah. And AEW, it was like, hey, go home if you want to. And so it's like, what's better, like a scared Roman Reigns or a Chris Jericho who doesn't believe in it? 
I'm going to go with a Chris Jericho who doesn't believe in it. And, you know, it's just fine. <laughs> Scott, just, you are going to work for WWE by the end of this podcast. I just, I just, I mean, to Am me, I, it's like, I just, you know, we're talking about these and, and I don't think that they've handled it the best either. But I think that, look, do I like watching wrestling with fans in the audience? Do I think that Dynamite shows are better? in their environment than a Thunderdome? Absolutely. Do I think it's safer? Fuck no. <laughs> it's not. It's yeah, dangerous. Uh, no, that's... Linda, that's Linda, you know, it, to me, the, the thing about, you know, cancel culture and all that stuff is, like, if it affects the people that watch, and I don't think there's enough people that watch wrestling. Like, look, we're, we're pretty liberal-minded, and look, should we stop watching because of this? Maybe are we going to? No. Well, I think also Linda, you know, she didn't like policy wise and, and even like tweet wise and public persona wise, she's never been, has that like bellicose Trump, I'm going to be an asshole sort of thing. Especially when you have like, you know, people like Stephen Miller and other ghouls, they're in that white house. You know, she really doesn't stick out. She's a pretty nice lady. So I look at what she does in wrestling to uh, dismiss her as a good human being. I, I don't need to look outside of that. When she acted like she didn't know who Lance Cade was when he worked in her company for years and died at 29, like that's the Linda that I don't like personally as a wrestling fan. As a as a. Do you think she knew him though? I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying, like, do you think yes, she knew I do. Robert? You, what about you, Robert? You've you've worked there. I, I genuinely. I mean. I, I'm t- I don't know if she knew who Lance Cade was. Lance Cade was there when I was there. I, I the only time I ever watched anything with Linda was she and I watched ECW's the the one night uh, the one night stand. She came to the warehouse and it was just her and I watching the pay per view. So it's the only time I ever saw Linda watch anything wrestling related. I don't think that she was really in the weeds in terms of oh who who was in the tag team scene on Raw, uh, mm-hmm. you know in terms of Cade and Murdoch probably you know i i think there's a lot of guys who who passed at certain points in time she might not have known exactly who that was at the same time i think she was coached in terms of what to say for some of that for political reasons yeah it just came I assumed off her personality i assumed she was legitimately like her the way she acted leading up to wrestlemania 17 just like sitting in a chair staring <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i imagine that's probably closer to being married yeah. to Vince. and like whatever money she like sends anywhere it's all from like thinking hard you know she just sits there and thinks it <laughs> and then money gets shuffled it's weird because she's like i just thought if i say something dumb trish will start barking like a dog and i'm okay <laughs> but there was very, no trish there oh, am i missing she's like if uh, fresco was a person because originally this list was 10 and I cut it down to five. Is there another PR disaster that is as big as these five for them? I mean, in some ways, the original XFL, not as sad, but it really right. made them look bad. I mean, I just, yeah, it's, it's, oh yeah. The, I don't think I mentioned uh, my thing with the Owen thing is if we got something, the quality of dark side of the ring closer to when it happened, I think that would be number one. But the truth is, this happened in the prime of their ratings, and it didn't stop them at all. No, it didn't stop them at all. Not not even close. Uh, number it should have. <laughs> Makes them stronger. It didn't stop the pay-per-view. <laughs> number seven. <laughs> <laughs> number seven. Uh, Ali got his live mic taken away. Apparently, these are the rumors. He could have the live mic back in a week. Uh, but he, he apparently has, has gotten heat for talking shit about Hulk Hogan. If you haven't seen the promo that Ali does on talking raw or like 
raw talk raw. I don't know what the fuck it's raw called. Raw talk but, or something. Yeah, yeah, he's it's an awesome promo. But apparently he got heat with Hogan legit. And uh, you know, Ali Ali is in trouble. So my question is fantasy book a retribution versus NWO angle. And I'm just gonna say, I don't know. Uh I don't know, but I feel like it has to naturally lead to T-Bar starting Retribution Red and Black, like Wolf Park Pack Retribution. As long as it like, as long as it leads to multiple retributions, I'm totally fine. Mike, um, it's funny that we were like, I don't know if there's another PR scandal. So Hulk Hogan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, guys, you remember when he said Silverdome, and they were in the <laughs> <laughs> Superdome? Um. Okay, uh, I, I just I think that uh, I just want to see um, I just want to see Slapjack and and Scott Hall just you know hanging out and they're both talking about how sad their lives are and Scott Hall's like you know I've done things that I can't regret man and the other guy's like they name me Slapjack <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry Mank do you guys have any fantasy bookings for this? Uh, yeah, so, uh, so, you know, Retribution is causing chaos on Raw, the fucking Fiend, there's just fire constantly, right? I mean, things are, are, are like the goddamn Capitol riots, right? So. <laughs> yeah, Trump, Trump booked a better Retribution angle than Vince did. Yes, yes, exactly. And so, uh, Raw, as per Vince, goes under martial law, right? And then Ali starts talking about you know, these globalists, all this stuff, retribution's freaking out. I'm telling you, there's there's a there's something bigger going on. It's it's the new world order, right? Oh shit. But this time, I mean they're old men. What are you gonna have them wrestle? No, it's like they're Oz. They've been booking the show the whole time. That's why things that's Did why you these guys mean are getting that as buried. a joke with Kevin Nash being Oz. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it goes back to what they've always been accused of, Hogan, Nash, and Hall, and it's burying people. And now who gets buried more than Ali? Retribution, right? What, it, what Retribution was originally all about was like these burials, you know? And now it's them try, finally trying to defeat, to defeat the New World Order. And Dominic does it because he's the son of a, of a vanilla midget, right? Is that what he called everybody, Nash? And so he has to be the one who does it. Um, Robert? <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm trying to follow that. I feel like I'm watching like a master class here. Uh, I should be paying, you know, eight dollars a month for this. But uh, look, we if this was really WWE, they're gonna they're gonna lean into the controversy. You're gonna have Retribution come out, and they're gonna talk about we're sick of these legends, we're sick of these old guys coming here and taking our spot. And this is gonna lead to Hogan, Hall, and Nash coming out there in their NWO shirts. And they're going to square up and then R-Truth is going to run in wearing an NWO shirt because he's like, I'm with you guys now. I'm black and white. Let's let's do it. And then R-Truth single-handedly beats all of Retribution and Hogan winds up putting a foot on Ali and pins him. And and that's it. <laughs> and that's what would wind up happening. And then that's would what would it. happen. Of course that's so what would happen. That we bullshit booked it. But in reality, old guys would come out on a retro Raw, the NWO, and they would just pin them. 
Yeah, it would, it be would like, literally uh, happen like that. Remember when DX you... humiliated the revival at the Rock? Yeah, anniversary. You're they right. Put, they that's put what the Spirit happened. Squad in a box. They <laughs> look. You're trying to use logic here, just to not to pile along because I know Raw is not on our, our thing, but just for two seconds, just to try to use WWE logic during Legends Night. Uh, Randy Orton was kind of mean to some of the old guys, which necessitated Triple H to show up to defend the Legends' honor. But when Randy Orton tried to kill them a few months ago, nobody from the office showed up or gave a shit. But because you kind of hurt Ric Flair's feelings, who got over it by fucking Lacey, uh, you know, now it's like, well, I got to defend Rick's honor. Like, Rick doesn't even remember what happened a week prior. He's senile <laughs> and feuding with his daughter. Uh, like, the WWE logic sometimes is just what the actual fuck. But the flaming sledgehammer was cool. That looked pretty cool. And it's funny. It's like uh, he couldn't use it because of the completely safe way he uses a sledgehammer where he puts his hand over it. Um, number eight. I usually, you know, usually we do NXT or AEW, but this week I really didn't think NXT was going to beat, you know, New Year's Bash just because New Year's Bash was a bigger show. Maybe I was wrong, but uh, I, uh, I, I enjoyed New Year's Bash. Uh, one segment I wanted to talk about from new year's bash was the inner circles new year's resolutions now scott you didn't like this i did like it and i'm wondering did you not like it because it felt a little bit too wwe for you because it felt like um they were all practicing lines with each other it felt like the uh yeah it just felt like uh dress rehearsal chris jericho like never felt more uh scripted and it just wasn't that good. It, 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 a lot of their segments have been falling flat the last few months where it's like they're going to come out and give us their New Year's resolutions. I, I just, I don't give a shit enough. It's not a reason to be out there talking to us, Mike. And especially when it leads to like almost nothing, like they actually just give New Year's resolutions. And then it's like, wait, you're a tag team slut. And it's like, what? You guys. Um, I thought you guys were a unit like be a unit for a little bit the whole thing is that there's tension they finally figured that out a few weeks ago only to have not figured it out it's irritating it is it very WWE like the breakup starts immediately I will say that yeah it's like the, they, there was already tension and you eased it and then there was the Ward Hager thing and that eased the final tension which was those two dudes. And then it was like, all right, let's see these guys run amok for a while. Let's see them all actually on the same page, like having fun, being ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think that's the story uh, they're not happen- tell. The- yeah, it's not. And yeah, and, and I, I understand that. It, they have their story, but I, I don't like it. Yeah. Mike, what did you uh, what do you think about the show? I thought it was very regressive. I thought the booking was not good. Um, if we go through the show, a former WWE employee uh, either won every match or was needed to help win matches. So you had Neville, uh, you know, beat Kingston pretty decisively. You had, uh, you, you know, I know he's Pac now. We, we had uh, Rusev, a.k.a. Miro, a.k.a. Bulgarian and Gucci, those video games. He beats Chuck Taylor in three minutes. Then uh, we had uh, the, the OC, the, the Good Brothers, <laughs> with Kenny um, beat just these chumpy chumps. Um, Serena Deeb, which I know this is a little bit of a stretch, but she's not even, she's the NWA champion. So she beats like a Homer. 
uh, in Ty Conti, and then Papa Papa Sting is needed to help Darby. Well, oh, oh yeah, Sting's more of a WCW guy. That's yeah, but none of them are like, anything. Oh. Like they're just wrestlers. Yeah. It's not their fault that there's been a monop- monopoly in wrestling. Yeah, well, like, it is in the sense everybody's that a you're WWE bringing. Guy. It is in the sense that you're bringing in these other people where you're trying to who are better people. than the other. Like Pac is better than Eddie Kingston at wrestling, and he's like clearly would beat his ass every time yeah but i wouldn't do it all in one night and then yeah and then ftr you know the revival beats it just it really i, I really i really dug that match ftr match i thought that was great let me just say that like having some it felt it felt a little like nwo wcw to me when you have like i mean fucking marco stunt and bless his little heart and and uh jungle boy in a 12 and a half minute match it did it doesn't help ftr at all to be that competitive with those guys it doesn't help anybody and it makes it i don't makes know man i mean home- jungle boy jungle boy though is competitive that's the thing is it mostly they were kicking marco's ass but jungle boy is like a big star for them but the fact that he can get his ass kicked that much without getting pin it, it's it it, it it goes against even like the craziest wrestling logic i can't i can't see past it and when that's your homegrown aew talent it makes AEW look like a a, a worse company i'm just gonna say it I, you know and uh especially if you're gonna do marco stunt and jungle boy versus ftr and then 20 minutes later the whole story is how can darby beat someone so much bigger like it's like we just saw a 12 and a half minute competitive match with a child <laughs> You know, this is this is the agents not talking to each other. It's it, I just thought this was a little poorly put together, and it made the homegrown stars not look great. The fact that Darby needed help, and this is what's funny to me, Sting, so he's able to come out without the snow coming. He just controls the snow now because he sneaks in, no snow, then the match ends, now snow. Yeah, he controls the weather. And though the turns whole, out he was NWO the whole time. And the whole the whole rule of like only two team Taz members, like, but they've we've said eight Dark Order members. Like they, they just throw out these rules for the sake. It just felt like like well, you know, that powerhouse Hobbs had to go to the bathroom and they were making an excuse. And but then it hurts the logic of their show because there isn't enough consistency. Yeah. Robert. I loved it. I uh, I genuinely hated this week's Dynamite. Um, really? Did you watch I, NXT this week too? I did. I watched NXT. I watched this week. it too. I thought Dynamite was better. See, I thought NXT was a was a very solid. It was. It's what I always say. It is, it's just consistently fine. No, it's uh, good. It was, I just tag matches. Right. It was the tag tournament matches. They they debuted the Rascals from uh, uh, TNA, wherever the hell company they are. The matches were all very entertaining. I, I really enjoyed the the three different tag matches they did. AEW, to Mike's point, every segment on this show, in my opinion, hurt people rather than help them. I didn't watch this show and thought, wow, someone's coming across as, as good. It's like Pac beat Eddie Kingston, but we're in the middle of this story. And now it's like, oh, Eddie just loses and he rolls out of the ring and whatever. Miro beat Chuck Taylor where you made Orange Cassidy look dumb. And Orange Cassidy is their money and they need to protect him. And he should have not been out there, or he should have been taken out in advance. Yeah, but I mean, it was this is leading fight. to Cassidy getting the big win over but Miro. Theoretically, also, but it was also like- fans, fans who enjoy Orange Cassidy, um, aren't fans who are concerned about protecting 
but he looked person. he looked more like, foolish you know, in this like segment he, than he normally does. Like he he looked like he was outsmarted and outgunned in a way that isn't isn't flattering for him. Then there were three different matches. It wasn't just two matches, it was three matches where it was one side was dramatically better than the other. Kenny and the Good Brothers against uh Pillman, Griff Garrison, and Danny Limelight. I have this written down. That was a a squash match that went on for a lot longer than it should have. It should never have made it to a commercial break. There's no way that Omega and the Good Brothers would be in there with these guys through a commercial break. They should have beat them pretty decisively, pretty quickly. Uh, the the FTR Jurassic Express match, to Mike's point, was the exact same story as the main event. Uh, the the two entertainment segments, the WWE segments, were that was that weird Britt Baker thing that just it was fine, and then it made you realize how hard it is to do television. And then the inner circle thing was they were having fun in the way that people stop watching nitro because the NWO would be like, Oh, Bischoff's going to come out in a motorcycle and we're going to get a 20 minute Vincent promo. This felt like I was watching nitro. The only thing that I liked, and it's only because someone pointed it out online after, and this is where it's so nerdy. And so Tony Khan, who he should never be on TV again, by the way, when they cut back to him and the young bucks, it was like watching a, a <laughs> when you like when your high school would do the news. Um, <laughs> but in the main event, that Dark. was that was really jarring. It was the, he's like was, staring was, at the camera. It was just it was so uncomfortable. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable. It was so, like it looked like he shouldn't have been back there. Like someone was going to escort him out of there. At some so point. this is what's super nerdy, and this is why I could support AEW if the, if this is what they meant to do. Darby beat Brian Cage by coming off the second rope with that that's that roll up, which is the move that he did to Cody, and Cody reversed it and beat him. And then after Taz confronted Darby and was like brother, you, you, you screwed that move up. And Darby's like, I know, I'll fix it. And then he fixed it by beating uh, Brian Cage, who's Taz's guy. Yeah, I thought that's a great story. That's an amazing story that was not told on air. And somebody, like some random person tweeted it. And I'm like, that's, the, that's an amazing little bit of storytelling buried within two hours of, I didn't really need to watch any of this, which I've yet to, I, AEW sometimes hit and miss with me. I've never felt like I watched it and I was like, I would have been better off just not watching that show this week. And this is the first time I really felt like uh, I felt that. Yeah. And it's also, it's like, you know, Taz and Kingston are kind of similar characters in that they're great on the mic. They're very passionate. They want opportunities, but then it's like, they make both of them like complete chokers. And I, I get Scott to your point that like, okay, you know, uh, Pac can beat Kingston. Like, but Kingston's whole thing is supposed to be that he doesn't give up and having him like in these like nine minute matches when, when Marco stunts lasting longer than Kingston, I mean, the Marco stunt match was the second longest match of the night and the longest match was only like 20 seconds longer. That's a, that's a problem that, that you're just making everyone look like bitches. Alvarez was talking about a, a possible, <laughs> I mean, I really hope they do no. this just out of a bit, uh, just because I think it's going to be hilarious. But a cinematic match between Sting and Taz, which I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is that going to look like? Why does? But but also, why does Team Taz afraid of Sting? We still yeah, don't know. He's got that. a bat. We haven't been given. Oh, he's any spooky. He's like, you know, I don't know. He's, he's the crow. <laughs> I don't know, and man. He's I, got a cool coat. And I, I just want to, I just want to say about stunt. To me, it, it's not just the size because there are small wrestlers who are great and make it work. It's the combination of the look and the botches and the ability. It's like 
if he was the best thing ever, like, okay, but he's not. And I think that, you know, you're sitting on money with just put, you know, you just bought this song, just pull the trigger on. No, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta wait till the fans, fans get there so they can sing along. Yeah, but they've been saying it like these guys have been here since the beginning and we still don't feel like we've yeah, really gotten them on the show. No, I think that's, that's fine. I think they're still a little green and when it's time, it's time and, and we're going to be super excited about it. You know, like that's the other thing. It is a brand new company. You can't highlight everybody like you do have to do. I mean, they long term book a lot of shit, you know, and this is just one thing where it's like you got to wait. I mean, I think Jungle Boy's great, but. He's going to get better. I mean, he's got to loosen up, dude. You, you got this song, which is one of the greatest songs ever written, right? Tarzan Boy by Baltimore in 1985. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs. I got the Beverly Hills Ninja soundtrack when I was a kid. Oh, that's where you know this from. Yeah. So, <laughs> dude, this is seriously like an all-time song for me. And so you know like he's going to go down as one of the greatest ever, just like the song. And uh, so you just invest and you wait. I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm looking up what's on the Beverly Hills Ninja soundtrack now. It's good. It's uh, turn of Japanese is on there. Right? Yeah, but it it's like, some... <laughs> but it's like a little more skyish. Like there might be some horns in it. It's got Lowrider <laughs> by War. This is uh, yeah, they got solid. some good ones, man. <laughs> Dude, that was one of my favorite movies growing up because you you had Farley, you had Chris Rock, and then you had Robin Chow who was Liu Kang in the Mortal Kombat yeah. movies. Like, it's so, it's perfect, man. I think we're alone now. Well, you know, because you did, like, I mean, those dude, you know, uh, karate movies were such a big deal. Then like Jean-Claude Van Damme movies were a big deal. And then it's like, okay, you want to put a white guy doing karate? How about it's this white guy? And it's like, you know, this fat, sloppy white guy. It's perfect. It's a really great movie. What is with you attacking fat guys today? This is like... No, I'm not attacking. No, them. first it's, it was they Otis, exist, then it was and I'm Rikishi, then, it was, uh, then it was Chris Farley. I'm just acknowledging that they exist, and unfortunately, when you bring them up, usually they get shit on. You know. You also didn't like the Jericho segment this week. So that's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> Obviously, cut that part out. But Zach, what did you think about AEW last night? It was fine. <laughs> that was worth it. Keep right. that in. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I assume it's funny. Number nine. It's the birthday boy segment. Mike Lawrence, tee it up. Yeah, all right. It's a new segment. You know, uh, was just a little bashy with uh, with AEW, but I want to be a little positive. Uh, I'm, I came up with a segment called The Bright Side of the Ring, where we take something that is universally panned uh, and we try to see the good in it. And, and this week, I, uh, you know, to, to get this started, I, I went with something that is very maligned that I'm not a fan of, that I, I don't know if you guys are, that has overstated its welcome, and it's the, the what chance. We uh, haven't gotten the what chance in a while with the whole pandemic, but these things uh, took over the show for a good long time. Um, and, uh, but I was gonna ask you uh what any positives to the what chance are there moments where you like hearing the what chance i like him when it's terrible when it's a terrible promo <laughs> like i'm fine with them ruining a terrible promo like if somebody heckles like a terrible comic like i'll pretend i'm upset about it but i'm like all right this is more interesting what do you think, Scott? I always hated it. Uh, one, because obviously it interrupts every promo. I mean, there was like a 
what an eight-year period where like <laughs> every promo had a what chant in it and and we could have maybe gotten some awesome promos during that i did like when people acknowledged it um it made you go okay he could hang i i, I remember undertaker one time what did he say it was like one of those things where it was like you know you, you you have sex with your mom if you say what? And they were like, what? Like, it was one of those things, you know? And he's like, I thought so. <laughs> but I... Uh, Robert? Can I can I say positive things about the Benoit situation instead? Because this is... <laughs> this ruined wrestling more than anything else. Rough. How did it affect you personally when you were working there? Because this is your... You're 04, you're 05. We are in what by, country? By 05, yeah, by 05, 06, eh, they kind of... That kind of peered out a little bit. But what happened was this was the... This was very much the birth of the audience making it about them. And they stopped paying attention to promos. So if there's one advantage to this, it cut back on 20-minute Triple H promos, which is always going to be a welcome thing. But the audience just disengaged, and they try to make it about them. And it's like, hey, we just want to be able to yell what? The reason – the positive – I'll give a positive. Fuck it. Uh, this was Steve Austin showing that he's Fonzie, that he can just pick whatever the hell he wants. He's like, I'm going to get over chanting what? Because he was that over. Uh, it was it was from a gag that he used to do when he was on the phone, I think, with Christian. Christian yeah. yeah, and he would like leave voicemails and he would do this what bit when he was on the phone with him. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to see if I can get this over. And Steve Austin is such the the greatest of all time in a lot of ways because he got this over um, to his you know, to his credit. That's that's how incredible of a, a talent Steve Austin was. So I'll make it a, a positive on uh, on Stone Cold. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah, kind of my thought on this is, well, one, it, I mean, and this is probably negative in some ways if you're working there, but it really did expose the cadence of promos that a lot of people took because if you leave those pauses in, that's what? where it comes, what? you know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, because I, I, I do think, I think, Dan, you were saying it like, yeah, it kind of like showed who can, you know, who can go, who could hang, yeah. People who could like, or was that you, Scott? I'm sorry. But like people who could really rise above it, uh, ignore it, I think. Like Punk was a guy that really stuck out to me because I always feel like these would go and then they'd come back, you know, and especially like that post mania where you have these UK fans who grew up in the attitude era and they love the what chance. I mean, you know, for Dan, for your uh, bachelor party, like, we went to raw with stone cold. So there were tons of what chance, like if he's there, then you feel like you're doing it for his approval <laughs> and he's good enough to skirt it. But yeah, I, I think that, I think what it what it could have done was gotten rid of scripted promos more and and I think it has for guys who are good enough but yeah I mean I was because I was watching Jade Cargill last night and I was starting to what the TV yeah I definitely wanted that for sure. <laughs> like, I, exactly what I was gonna say when you're like oh she got rid of scripted promos I'm like did you not watch Jade Cargill on television last night <laughs> why didn't she why didn't why she, didn't she... <laughs> why didn't she there's so many ways to finish that sentence. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, like she, like Mike, you brought it up earlier today. Like she's got a great look. Yeah, just put her with Taz or something. You know, give Taz somebody else to manage. I don't know. Yeah, she's, she's yeah, she'd be great in Team Taz. She has a fantastic look, 
but it's also it's that thing they they expect you to know who everybody is and look like there's aw dark there's being the elite but she's not even on those is she but they'll still be like it's jade cargill (laughs) oh and then i was half paying attention for about 30 seconds when red velvet came out i was like why is brandy there and i just like looked away and i looked at it i was like wait no that's not brandy it's like her stunt double um which was very, yeah. I, they don't, they haven't established who Red Velvet is. And has, have we seen Jade wrestle? No, no, okay. no, not yet. So this could be uh, a disaster. Like, oh, she it, came it out is. to introduce Shaq and say that Shaq was going to challenge Cody. I remember but then that. Shaq was with Brandy and Shaq said that Jade was going to challenge Brandy. And then Brandy got, pr- yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm already I'm already going into a coma. Bring, bring back the Nightmare Fine. Collective. <laughs> Finally, number Tevin, ten. I don't know why I said Tevin. That's not a number. No, that's uh, someone competing favorite... on the TNA pay per view. Was Tevin? <laughs> Tevin. <laughs> favorite uh, wrestling side hustle of all time. I'm I'm talking about wrestlers who uh, you know kind of still wrestle, but they also you know do something else. Uh, so I'm I'm not you know. I guess you could say The Rock is an example of that, but that's kind of a boring answer. Let's start out with Scott. Scott? Buff Bagwell, Gigolo. Fuck, man, you took mine. Always, every time. <laughs> Dude, I paid him 100 bucks to fuck my aunt last Christmas. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go, uh, you know, I will, I'm going to agree with Scott. That's the, the old school stuff. cameo, we call it. The old school cameo. <laughs> uh, the cameo. Pay a wrestler to have sex with, the next with your aunt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, although, shout out to ODB's food truck. That was, that was pretty good. Oh, that was great. <laughs> Mike? Well, I found out that, that uh, I don't know if I was talking about this with you guys or somebody else, but like the reason that Rick Martell left the business was because he had started doing real estate while he was still in wrestling. So like when we were watching rumble 91 and stuff like that, he was already like investing and, uh, and like, cause he's a guy, he's not in the hall of fame. He's not at conventions. I think he just did really well for himself and made a shit ton of money owning properties. So that's pretty impressive to me. Rick, the model home, Marcel, <laughs> uh, Robert, J E double F ha ha J A double R E double T. No, not because Jeff Jarrett was a country music star. No, no. When Jeff Jarrett created Global Force Wrestling, he also created the the greatest entity of all time, which was Global Force Gold. When you signed up for this, which was at globalforcegold.info, even though the video said globalforcegold.com, it was a multi-level marketing, which is a Ponzi scheme, where you send them money and you are investing in gold bullions with a German bank and Jeff Jarrett. (laughs) What? He also also had this Ponzi scheme where he had this woman named Dixie give him money. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's end on that. Uh, folks, we got 2001 Rumble this Sunday on Patreon. Get our shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. Subscribe to our podcast. Rate our podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. More people have been listening lately. We really appreciate that. Mike? Yeah, uh, I am at uh, I'm at Mike Lawrence Comedy on uh, Instagram. It's the only social I have. Uh, so yeah, say hi, Scotty. 
Scott underscore Chaplin and listen to my other podcast, Garbage Days with Brendan Zagalo. Robert? You can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH and make sure you buy our t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. There we go. Guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.